2: Welcome in, welcome into the Arrowhead Addict podcast, home of the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. I guess this isn't actually their home, uh, but it's, it's home of some of the best damn Chiefs fans out there. I'm Patrick Allen. Our guy, Matt Verderam is going to be with us in just a minute. You know, the man, he drops these things on me. I'm sitting here, I'm fired up, I got the, I got the outline, we're all ready to go. And then Vertram hops in, in the slack. Hey, Patty, uh, I'm going to be a little bit late. I got to pick up Maisie. This is what happens when when you have kids. I know a lot of you guys out there have the children, unlike me, um, and you've got to deal with this. So, life throws you curveball, curveballs. Luckily, Vertoram's got me here to keep things rolling for him. Um, so, let's get the chat fired up. Shout out to all of our members out there. Uh, we've got a, a, a pretty good guest today. I'm really excited. Somebody I watched uh, many years. I don't know how many of you guys are WWE fans out there, but we've got Jonathan Coachman coming up. And something that I literally did not know until, I guess, yesterday, which is that Coach, the Coach is a huge Chiefs fan. I, this is not something that I was aware of, um, which is it's sort of funny, having been such a big WWE fan for years and obviously seeing his work elsewhere. Caleb uh, in the chat says, this is still weird to me, going to be waiting for him to cut a promo on JR. Man, that's, that's what I love about. there's so WWE, there's so many WWE fans out there, particularly in the sports world. And I mean, you see it, right? You see it in... The way that it transfers over into the sports world, I, I, you guys know me. I'm from Northeast Ohio originally, so a big Cavaliers fan. And I remember when uh, LeBron, when when the Cavs came back against the the Warriors, LeBron got off the plane and he's got the ultimate. He, at first he had the ultimate Warrior T-shirt on, and then uh, Kevin Love had the championship belt, the WWE championship belt, and and Mahomes, I think Mahomes had the belt at the parade. So. You know these guys. It's not just it's just not, not just old guys like me. These young players, they all grew up watching WWE as well. So it's pretty cool to have a guy like Coach uh, in the Chiefs Kingdom. Who who uh, who? My earliest memories of, of Coach is him cutting just absolutely hilarious promos with The Rock. I don't know how many of you out there were uh, were or old enough to have experienced The Rock's heyday in particular. Um, but just some of the best, most hilarious moments. Those two playing off of each other. Um, so it's going to be really cool to have him coming up here. Um, we're going to be talking a lot about the Chiefs, obviously, in um, the Super Bowl run. Want to talk a little bit about Eric Bieniemy, who the coach was, t- was tweeting about yesterday. Uh, Eric Bieniemy, obviously, going over to the Washington Commanders to be their offensive coordinator and assistant head coach. So kind of like a, a little bit of an upgrade with this title. Is he's still seeking? his first head coaching job in the NFL. And we're going to kind of talk a little bit about that and what we think might be holding him back from getting that. Um, Before we go any further though, I got to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by our friends, At the Kansas City Beer Company, uh, the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, sponsored by KC Beer Co. for a while now. They're the largest locally owned brewery in Kansas City, and they're also the only brewery in KC to focus on German beer styles. They actually brew their beer according to the Bavarian beer purity law of 1516 using only four ingredients malt, hops, water, and yeast. It's absolutely delicious. This award-winning brewery has a terrific lineup of brews. So, whatever type of beer you're into, Casey Beer has a style for you. You know, we brewed our own beer with them. The uh, Arrow Red Lager it still might be available in the in the beer hall. You got to head over to the Casey Beer Hall. Uh, to find out, I'm not sure, but we sold out of six packs twice, thanks to your support. You guys have been absolutely incredible. So look for the red KC Bierco cartons at your local store and support the Arrowhead Attic podcast by supporting KC Bierco And do us a favor, give them a shout out on Twitter at KC Birico uh, and let them know that you heard about their beer on the Arrowhead Attic podcast. Keep us in business and dare to beer different. Don't be a clown. Drink responsibly. 21 and over. Again, shout out to all of our members. If you're interested in becoming a member of the Arrowhead Attic podcast, check out the link in the description. We've got a great Discord. We're moving into off-season discussion now, which is a little sad but also a little bit exciting. It's a lot easier to, to swallow when football's not here, when you're the Super Bowl champs. By the way, as uh, Matt Vertoram joins us, Vertoram, I got the hat, man. Did you get one of these? I did not.
3: You know, I have not gotten any of that stuff
2: yet. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, yeah. have, you haven't opened up the wall? I'm, I'm hemorrhaging money with this
3: <laughs> i'm not i've got i got the super bowl program the official one from the game that's kind of my keepsake i have uh i have a pretty extensive collection of super bowl programs because i'm i'm a loser um yeah. but uh yeah no i haven't gotten like a shirt or a hat or anything like that yet i, I haven't really decided what i want to get yet but i i will yet is the operative
2: order i i love these as soon as i saw them put them on their heads um i don't always love the hats but this i thought this one was a good one kind of different than what they've been putting out in recent years. So I like right. that. And just having the Super Bowl patch. Um, yeah, man, I got that. Obviously, you know I got the ludicrously expensive hoodie at the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm wearing that like every other day. I'm gonna get you better believe yeah. I'm gonna get all the mileage out of that. I got a program too. Obviously I wasn't at the game. I lucked out, dude. I walked into the airport and they had Super Bowl gear there in the airport when I was leaving. And I and there was a big pile of chief shirts there. And sitting on top of them was a Super Bowl program. Nice. And I was like, is this? Did somebody just leave this here? And I picked it up and I walked into the store and I looked around. I didn't see any programs. So I took it up to the desk because I didn't want to steal it. And I said, Are you guys selling these? And he was like, Yeah, I think that's the last one we have. And I was like, Holy cow, this is a huge win. So I got it for a, a decent price. Um, nice. So yeah, so it's right next to my one from from last year. So two Super Bowls we covered.
3: There you go. There you go. Yeah, I've got uh, my bookshelf. I think I only have on the shelf, I only have the two Super Bowls that they won and displayed. I, uh, I also have a couple of the other ones I covered. I have a whole I have a whole box of so them dating back to
2: like Super Bowl 10. Excellent, excellent. So I set up I set up our guests here. So he he's mm-hmm. here. So we're gonna get him in here in just a second. But I first I want to set the table. So wh- the first thing we wanted to talk about, we're gonna lead with we're gonna be talking chiefs. So we're gonna lead with this Eric the enemy situation. He was named the commander's offensive coordinator and assistant head coach. So he makes a, a sort of lateral move, um, probably getting a raise and getting a slightly elevated title. Um, but looking obviously to get out of Andy Reid's shadow a little bit to try to maybe get that that head coaching job. So it's a new challenge for EB. We're obviously sorry to see him go. You know, and I, we'll talk about this with coach. I I feel like this thing with the enemy has gotten a little I feel a little bit bad for him because I feel like it's gotten unfairly or maybe fairly like it's politicized, like it's become like this p- almost political issue. Um, because you got people on different sides of it and and not, not everybody really knows exactly what's going on behind the scenes or why this guy's not getting the right. job. Some people have some pretty good guesses, but I think probably what, what it, what it is like with a lot of things in life, it's probably shades of gray, but you know, uh, this week, the big discussion was around LaShawn McCoy, who is, as I'm sure you all remember had a cup of coffee with the chiefs and, uh, shady as he was called was on uh, FS one. And he said, uh, uh, this is what he said. I'm going to read the quote. And then I'm going to read uh, a coach's tweet that that uh, that prompted me to reach out to him and see if he wanted to come on the show and talk about it. So uh, LaShawn said, uh, and this is in regards to B enemy, what's his value? What makes him a good offensive coordinator? The problem is a lot of these people that go on social media, he should have been the guy for the job. They haven't played there. I've been in the rooms where he's coaching, and he has nothing to do with the pass game at all. When the plays are designed, that's Andy Reid. When you talk about offensive coordinators, I can tell you what makes Brian Dayball with the Giants a good coordinator. I can tell you about Andy Reid or Doug Peterson. But Eric Bieniemy, what makes him good? When we watch the film in, practice, in practices and we correct the wide receivers, the running backs, the quarterbacks, he doesn't talk in there. Andy Reid talks in there. So this is kind of a, you know, I don't want to say it's a dig on, on EB, but he's basically saying this guy doesn't do anything. I was there. And that's why he's not getting the job. And before we get to coach's comment, just really quick, quickly from you, Matt, what was your take on, on Shady's comment?
3: I mean, look, on one hand, like he's in the building and I'm not, right? I mean, I, I may know people in the building, but he's in the building. He's, he was a player under Eric Biennium. He was a running back under Eric Biennium. He, of course, was a running back during his days in the NFL. Like he's certainly entitled to have his opinion. And it, and, it, and it might even be, look, maybe through his eyes, maybe through a lot of people's eyes in the building, it might've been valid. I, I kind of find that like just a, a little bit of a cheap shot, like, it just kind of feels like it's unnecessary. Now, look, that's his truth, and he wants to speak it. That's fine. But I think it's, like, to, to me, and my question back to LaShawn McCoy would be, okay, let's say that's all true. Is that any different than Doug Peterson or Matt Nagy in that building when they got hired as head coaches? Maybe it was. Maybe it was. That he wouldn't have known he wasn't there during that time. But, like, maybe it would be wild. Like, I'd love to ask Travis Kelsey that, who was there for all those guys. Was yeah. it different with any of those other coordinators, or was it the exact same?
0: I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, Yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be SOL if something were to happen, but not anymore with Yuffie. It's keyless. You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recordings locally, and never have to pay for storage. And the customer service is top notch. Now, let's be real. I didn't have to use it. I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I I'm not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your UFI or installation, be rest assured, UFI on standby for you 24/7, so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door.
4: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.
2: And if you love the Filet-O-Fish, right now you can catch two
4: of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: Well, so I'm on Twitter and I'm I'm, I'm taking all this in. and, and, And our guy, the coach, he tweets... This is exactly what I've been saying because I also have friends who work for the chiefs and who have been in there, but hearing a player say, but hearing a player say it, who's been in the locker room carries a ton more weight than me. Listen to all of this. So coach was intrigued by it. Coach is a chiefs fan lifelong. Let's get him in here. Uh, Jonathan coachman. So the coach has worked just about everywhere in sports. Um, he's been an announcer and a performer in the WWE. He's at a tour at ESPN he does some work in the Madden video games as a halftime on, on Madden. So I hear him at least two or three times a week. And he's currently at CBS Sports uh, and the PGA Tour. He's got a daily show on CBS called The Early Edge. More importantly, as I said, he's a lifelong member of the Chiefs kingdom. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, Coach. Thanks for joining us.
5: And you mentioned maybe one of my favorite jobs I've ever had, boys, Channel 9, KMBC, 22 years old. I was there. Yeah, I was only there for yeah. nine months, but I was there and got to work with Lenny Dawson. God rest his soul. So I am, my parents still live in Salina. So I'm no fake Chiefs fan. I was born, yeah. raised in Kansas. And I'm so glad you reached out to me because sometimes on social media, it gets lost up, it you know, gets lost in the 240 characters. And I yeah. try my best, and I'm sure you guys do too, to interact with people. And then it becomes so hard because they go, oh, you don't like Eric Benamy or you don't. Really? I love Eric bien I love the Chiefs. But sometimes (laughs) when you're a public figure and you're in this, you've got to dissect it, and you really got to have intelligent conversation, which is why I was excited to come on today, which, why isn't he? Why isn't he? And I think that's where you guys want to start.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, obviously... I, I wanted to start with your tweet because, I mean, I, look, we've heard we've heard players come out in support of EB. Obviously, Shady's got his take. There's some some stuff there. Maybe he's got an axe to grind I want to get into. But but first, I mean, you said you've got friends who, who work in the building. What have you heard?
5: Well, I've, I've had friends that have worked there for years, and years, all the way back to my time in the WWE, they started low and moved up. And I'm always talking to them about what's really going on in the building. And they're like, listen, all of these guys that came out, and, I, and I've been texting with them the last few days because I wanted to really understand Because we see this a lot, guys, that that when a coach leaves and there's a negative narrative that a bunch of players come to his defense. And they should have. Patrick Mahomes put out a tweet today and all of that. But what they're telling me is there is a reason that he's had 17 interviews for a head coaching position. And the lazy narrative is, oh, he's not getting it because he's a black coach. And I think that is such a lazy narrative in 2023 that there is clearly something going on and there is a reason why he chose to leave a Super Bowl champion winning offense to go to one of the worst offenses and one of the worst programs in the entire NFL. They just are. Washington is absolutely a mess right now. Now, he said all the right things today, but what I was trying to insinuate is there's going to be a lot of different takes. Lashawn McCoy has his. uh, Tyreek Hill had his. Patrick Mahomes has his. Let's take that away for a second. And let's look at what has happened. I don't want him to fail. I want him to succeed. I want everybody to succeed. But why does he have 17 interviews and not one time no team has pulled the trigger on him?
3: Not one. So, not one. So I I think it's a really interesting point because, look, there are always shades of gray to these things. And there's always layers to them. And as you pointed out, Coach, you're right. Like you, can't, you can't get to it in a tweet unless you want to go on a thread of like 25 tweets. And nobody's going to read that. And it's right. gonna get lost in the sauce anyway. So I think you know, also talking to people in the building, and who knows, maybe some of the same people, maybe they're different. I think, I think I think that the 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 story last year after they lost the AFC title game coming out of that was is Eric Benjamin gonna be back because his contract was expiring mm-hmm. and he took a while to come back. I remember I was at the Combine last year, year in India. I will be again this year. And there was a lot of talk about, like, well, who's the offensive coordinator? Well, we're going to give EB some time. We're going we're to kind of leave the door open. If he wants to come back, he comes back. Ultimately, of course, he did. Um, he was a free agent again this year. They only had a one-year deal. And it was kind of year to year. And as you point out, I agree with you. We went to Washington. where Let's face it. Ownership is as big of a disaster in Washington as it is in anywhere, in any sport in the United States. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then on top of that, they have Sam Howell as their quarterback. And I don't care how well Sam Howell played in week 18, he's Sam Howell until proven otherwise. So, yeah, it's going to be tough. I think what's interesting with those 17 interviews and and ultimately not getting those jobs is I agree that sometimes people just use the, well, you know, he's a black coach and he's not getting a job. Sometimes there is laziness in that. I do think that because of EB's personality, though, he's such a strong personality. I Mm -hmm. do think that scares some white owners in the league. Like, that is uncomfortable for some of the others. There's some of them probably don't care at all. Some of them just went a different direction for whatever the reason. They liked the internal candidate. They didn't like the way he interviewed. They didn't like some of his past from Colorado. All that's on the table if we're being fair. I do think some guys are threatened, whether white or black, by a coach who has strong opinions, and they want a yes man in the building. And a lot of those teams, by the way, never win shit because of that. I think all that stuff factors in. And let's face it, he's betting on himself this year because if, they, if Washington stinks offensively and the Chiefs are a top three offense, the narrative coming out of this, fair or not, is going to be the Chiefs did not need him and he went to Washington and look at that offense, it's 25th in the league. Fair or not, that's going to be the reality and he knows it and he took a big chance betting on himself. Well, and I
5: think he also wanted some security. Uh, I haven't seen how you guys probably know how long the deal is, but I know it's more than a one year deal. And the one thing, the, the one thing that's always interesting to me, guys, when you have guys coming to the defense of a person on Twitter, is you have two different sides. What I haven't heard a lot of, I've heard all. Oh, LeSean McCoy was only there for 15 minutes. What does he know? He, but what I haven't heard is what he said was incorrect when it comes to the passing game. I haven't heard anybody say that that wasn't true. You know, and and so maybe he wants to prove that he can run the entire offense because I think the other reason is how many times have we seen during a football game, Patrick Mahomes fight with him. I've seen it several times where People he's unhappy sure. at something, and we don't know what's being said in the helmet. We don't know. But I think after 10 years and I've always said this 10 years to me. Is how long you should stay in one job. I was at the WWE ten years, ESPN ten years, PJ. You know, I think ten years is the length. And I think he's probably frustrated that the Chiefs aren't buying into his leadership skills. And understand this, guys: not everybody is built to be a head coach. They're just not. And that's all I was trying to say on Twitter. Is we get so worked up, and he's not a head coach. Guess what? He's made a ton of money for ten years. He's done very well financially. He has two Super Bowl rings. He's done great. But not everybody's only 32 jobs. Not everybody's meant to be a head coach. Look at Nathaniel Hackett last year. He was a disaster. That in man is
3: living proof not everybody's meant to be a head
5: coach. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. right. When yeah, you're hiring right? So, so maybe, and, and maybe it's as simple as this. Maybe he's just not built to be a head coach in the eyes of the owners. Not my eyes, not your eyes, but in the eyes of the owners of all those teams that he has interviewed for. And you would think, because I've done this, is, if I didn't get a job, which is rare for me, but it has happened. But what did I do wrong in that interview to fix it? And he said in an interview with one of my buddies today, Darren Haynes, who is a local sportscaster in Washington, he said, listen, I've learned from all of those. And I've learned how to evolve and change and get better. And that's what we all should do when we're interviewing for a big-time job. And so hopefully he does do well there. But, again, he's going to have to prove it. And I that's the one thing I like about this move is he's going to have to prove it. And we'll see if he does. God bless him. I'll clap and say, "Wish him a, a great day," because I love what he's done for our Chiefs.
2: What do you say to people who say, "Coach, that he's got to clear for some reason," and it might be just what you say. It's, it's possible, right? He just he's not a good. He's not good in the interview. He he doesn't impress them. But he's interviewed so many times. What do you say to people who say, "Hey, look, it seems like this guy's got to clear a higher bar than Nathaniel Hackett had to clear." Right. He's gone. He's he's won two Super Bowls with the Chiefs. He's done all these interviews. He's he's uh, he's been absolutely incredible throughout the course of his career. Why hasn't he gotten the shot to be a bum head coach like Nathaniel Hackett and get fired right away? Yeah. You know, and why does he have to go? You know, Doug Peterson, he got hired. You know, he was under Andy Reid's thumb. He wasn't calling the plays. Um, uh, Matt Nagy. You know, Same. didn't go great in Chicago. He did call mm-hmm. plays for a little bit for the Chiefs, but a lot of that time it was Andy Reid too. So, what do you say to people who say, "Hey, these white coaches—they get chances all the time. Uh, as soon as they're on a hot offense and they win a Super Bowl, you look them up a couple years later and they're a head coach somewhere." And Eric Bieniemy is over for sixteen.
5: It's hard to argue with that narrative. It really, really is. Which is why this—it is so difficult to navigate this kind of topic when you've yeah. got really Eric Bieniemy is the only guy. Can you think of anybody else that this has ever happened to? I mean, this many interviews, not getting it. And then, you know, when you work for a really, really good organization and you win super, this is unprecedented, at least in my eyes, at least in my eyes. But I would say if somebody says that, I'd say they're probably right. They're probably right. But I also don't want people to automatically go to the narrative that he's not getting it because he is black. Do you know what I mean? So the two things can be separate, but there are clear, clear examples of coaches that did not deserve it, that were white, that got an opportunity, and then they still got paid for four years and made multi-million dollars in their up, And that stinks. But that's the reality of where we've been at.
3: I think two things can be true at once. It can be a lazy catch-all narrative by people, especially on Twitter, to just be like, well, it's only because of race. But I do think that race plays a factor in this. And in some cases, a significant factor. And, and I'm glad you guys kind of went that way. Cause that was the next thing I was going to talk about was no, I'm not singling him out. I guess I'm not meaning to by like Joe judge, Joe judge is nowhere near as qualified as Dark enemy. No, nowhere near in any world. You look at a Nathaniel Hackett. He's not qualified. Now urban Meyer was qualified from the college standpoint because Urban Meyer is one of the best college coaches ever. Urban mm-hmm. Meyer was an unmitigated disaster. The second he stepped into Jacksonville, right? Like, <laughs> Nobody would argue that. And you can go on and, and the, the thing that should really infuriate people are there are plenty of white guys who have gotten second jobs with no business getting the first job. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there have been plenty of those dudes who you're like, how is this guy getting one job and then two jobs and they interview for a third job. And I think if you're Eric enemy or you're a fan or a champion of Eric enemy, uh, you look at that and say, why is the bar for a Hackett or a judge here and the is up through the roof. And Look, to me, as someone who's watched the Chiefs my whole life, I know you guys in the same boat, Andy Reid's run this offense since his day, since the day he showed up in twenty thirteen. That mm-hmm. Nagy and Doug Peterson were no more qualified and they got head coaching jobs than Bienemy would have been. Except Bienemy's got two Super Bowl rings and those guys have no jewelry. Or I had no jewelry. Peterson ended up being a, a very good head coach. Nagy did not in Chicago. Bienemy's got two rings. And you never know. Yeah, and, and, and I think I think that's part of
5: it. I think you're you're Heading down a road that I think is very significant. And what that is, is when you look at the Andy Reed Tree, and I've been very, very critical of Andy over the years. I think his his clock management at times has been horrendous. I can remember a an eight and a half minute drive with Alex Smith when we were down by nine in the fourth quarter. Yeah, what do so we do? I remember that. Remember that? Yeah. You remember that? And you're in your. Let's not going. focus on the
2: pain, coach. <laughs> <laughs> so
5: my point is, but the reason I bring that up is I'm trying to find reasons, right? I'm just trying to throw, throw something against the wall to make this make sense to me and to Chiefs fans everywhere. And when an owner looks at a really successful coach that until recently, Hasn't been able to win those Super Bowls. He has two now, but didn't do it in Philadelphia. And early on, really struggled with getting past that hump in Kansas City until Patrick Mahomes came along. So I think that's one thing. I think they're a little scared to hand the reins over to a coach underneath Andy Reid who may not have done everything they need to do to be a CEO, to be a CEO. And then the other thing is, I think they, when you talk about some of those guys, they're great raw, raw guys. And as a CEO, as a head coach, you got to be able to relate to all the players. And if Patrick Mahomes, and I'm just throwing this out there, and you tell me what you guys think about this, that if he has the stroke that I believe he has in the building, and he loved Eric Bienemy that much, how come all these players aren't going to management and saying, he's got to be our next guy? Because Andy Reid's 64 years old. How much longer is Andy Reid going to coach? Fair point. So I haven't heard Fair any point. player go to management and say, we want to keep him as the next guy. Why aren't they doing that?
3: I, I To your point, I will say that's a very good point. And it, it is interesting that immediately when when Biennemi was leaving, it was like, well, Nagy's going to be the OC and he's the head coach in waiting, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. was immediate. Yep. I think it's pretty obvious he and Mahomes are tight. Now is that, you know, maybe maybe he, Mahomes and Biennemi were tight too, but maybe for whatever the reason that wasn't going to work, maybe Biennemi didn't want to wait that long. Who knows? There's a lot of reasons. It's a good point. I will say this. I do think one thing that ironically, in a very weird way, hurts Biennemi is Patrick Mahomes, because yeah, totally. Nagy didn't have Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Peterson didn't have Patrick Mahomes. Now, those guys never won anything of any note with the Chiefs as coordinators with Alex Smith, but they didn't have Mahomes. I think a lot of people, fair or unfair, look at the Chiefs and go, well, yeah, it's Andy Reid, it's Patrick Mahomes, and, and you're, you're always going to succeed with those two guys. Now, I don't think it's fair to hold that against – the enemy when nobody in the world is holding it against Hackett that he had Aaron Rodgers, right? Nobody cares. And they they were one playoff flame out after the next. I'm just pointing out, I do think there are some people in the league who go, well, how hard could it be to succeed? And he's calling the plays and he got Mahomes there. And so he's just like this conduit. I would argue the one thing you do hear from players and you heard before he left was he's very important inside the room, inside those meeting rooms throughout the course of the week conveying the game plan, looking over the film, finding different things. They talked about it in the Super Bowl, that he was the one who kind of discovered that motion issue for Philadelphia that led to a couple of touchdowns. So, look, I think in anything like this, there's a lot of different truths that are all in there. I agree. They're all I agree. mixed in. And I think sometimes yeah. in media, we always have this this need or want to just make it about one thing. A lot of times, because frankly, that makes for a really good three-minute segment on television. But mm-hmm. it doesn't make for a really smart conversation. And so I do think there's a lot of it. I think it's – look, he's got to hire bar to clear. I think that at times there have been issues with, with him and the players on the sideline. Now, yeah. does that mm-hmm. matter? Maybe to some owners it does. Maybe to some it doesn't. I think race does play a factor. I don't think it's the catch-all for everything. I do think it matters. I think Eric Biennemi should have been a head coach already. I do. Based on all the other hires we've seen in the league, how that guy hasn't been hired and some of these other people have been – I'll never I think, understand. I don't, I don't think we would. Ever, none of us are going to argue that. I would never argue on that point.
5: I absolutely, yeah. based off of what they have done, I do yeah. think there's one other very important thing that we have not talked about that I think is playing a factor here. When you're an NFL team right now, like the Kansas City Chiefs, how are they maintaining five straight years of doing this magic? Where do they get these players from? The draft, correct? The draft, And if there's a narrative out there that he does, what did LaShawn McCoy say? And I'm not saying that what LaShawn McCoy said was gospel. Hear me on that. But part of what he said was Andy Reid, the reason people love him and he's a great CEO head coach, was what? What did he say? He says how he treats the different players differently, right? And you have to do that. You can't treat Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey the same as you can as the guy as the rookie running back coming out of Texas A&M but you have to be able to relate to them. And maybe that was what is missing. And when you're building a, a lower-level team like the Texans or any of these teams that he interviewed with, you got to have a coach that can relate to players so well they're willing to run through a wall even if you go 2-14 and 14 the first year. And I think maybe there's some of that playing into it too because, again, nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about it, but I think there's something there.
2: There's certainly an element uh, from what we've seen. We obviously don't know all the ins and outs, but there's an, an element to EB's personality that's a little more old school, right? He's definitely probably a little bit more Bill Parcells than he is Andy Reid. And as we saw with the failed Todd Haley experiment, if you ain't Bill Parcells, it's gonna you're going to have a tough <laughs> time work. acting like Bill Parcells, right? Yes. Um, but I've also seen EB speak at the microphone. I've seen him speak to the team. So it's. I want to throw out that he doesn't interview well-like thing because it just it, it seems impossible to me that he could not interview well unless he just gets in there and doesn't know football. Um, when I've seen him speak in, in, in a motivational sense to the players or about the players, he seems like he would come off terrifically in an interview. So I, I agree with you guys. I think there's shades of gray to this. I think some of these interviews, I think there's something we haven't touched on, but it, it, it unfortunately it's probably the case. Is that you have the Rooney Rule in the NFL, and some of these teams probably interviewed Eric Bieniemy without ever any good without any good faith that they were ever actually going to hire him, right? He's a a hot candidate. He's black, so they get him in there. They talk to him, but they already knew who they wanted. So, and I think that's that's got to lead to a lot of frustration for for black coaches who are like, man, like this just you know I'm here I'm I'm a token interview, and this is bullshit.
5: I, I think there's yeah. a lot to that, especially if you're talking about a Josh McDaniels, who's gotten not one, but two opportunities being a disaster. And both yeah. of them in the AFC yeah. West in our division. So I think what you're talking about is spot on that maybe let's just say conservatively 10 of those 17 were the the BS interviews that we know them right. to be. That that's yeah. That's absolutely very, very possible and in all likelihood, probable. So let me throw another question out to you. And I'll say hello to everybody in the chat. Thanks for watching us live, is do you think that going to Washington is going to be whatever he is looking for? Because today, when I watched all of his interviews, I watched all of his press conference, he said a lot of what head coaches say without saying anything at all. You know, it was a lot of coach speak. It was a lot about, you know, I've learned from my past experiences, and I want to bring that here. And Ron Rivera is running a a great ship here, and we got unbelievable coaches. And obviously, he's not going to – you know, attack the negative of Washington today, but he didn't say anything specific. Nothing. And what do you guys think is the upside to him deciding to go from Kansas City, where he clearly was not happy because if he was, he wouldn't leave.
3: Right, it would have
5: I think we can agree on that. Yeah. Yeah, so why yeah, go to this particular team in this particular spot?
3: Well, you know, I think you know, we touched on it earlier, Coach. I think the reality is, look, that <laughs> that is one of the great reclamation projects, right? I mean, offensively speaking, who do they have? They have Terry McLaurin, who's great. And their running yep. backs are decent, and that's that's really it. Like Jahar yeah. Dotson for you know first round pick a year ago, we'll see what he turns into. But that's not a group you look at and go, yeah, listen, and, you know, sprinkle a little uh, Eric Enemy magic on it. It's a top five unit. I mean, that is <laughs> that yeah. is not what you're getting unless Sam Howell proves to be the next Tom Brady. So I, my again, my fear for him is he goes there and that offense is just not good, It has nothing to do with whether that, he can coach or not. There
5: you go. That's what but, I'm trying yeah. to get at. Like does this really help him? Does this help him? I don't think it does. I
3: don't I don't think it does either. Like I think it look, if now I'm not gonna sit here and be the guy who's like if I was a RFP enemy, because I'm not a B enemy. But yeah, I either. think from looking at it from a from a remove point of view, I think it would have benefited him in some ways to just stay in Kansas City, go in another ring. And at some point, your resume just is so overwhelming that it's like, look, we're yeah. just idiots if we don't give this guy a job. Right. 100%. I mean at some point. Which I think frankly, I think we're already at that point. He's got two Super Bowls in four years. But I think you just start overwhelming people with the amount of jewelry and the and the resume. Whereas the problem is gonna be now, if he goes to Washington and they're twenty-fifth in the league offensively, maybe it's not his fault. Maybe Sam Howell stinks and ownership's terrible and they just can't get it done. Okay. And Kansas City, let's face it, they're I mean, if Mahomes is upright, that's a top three offense in the NFL. Always you're gonna so if the Chiefs under Matt Nagy are top three in the league, and Beanie's a bottom, you know, twelve offense in Washington. People are going to say, "See, the Chiefs didn't even need him. What did it matter?" And then it inf- it almost cements that mentality among people who have criticized him that he was never that important so, in Kansas City, even if that's exactly. bullshit. And he was exactly. a really important coach. People are yeah. going to say he didn't matter in Kansas City, and look at what he did with Washington. If I now, if enemy had gone somewhere. With a, like, if he had gone to take the Chargers job, for example, that would have been mm-hmm. more interesting. Then you've got Herbert. You've got some weapons. You go to Washington. That's like when you play a video game that you've gotten so good at on one level that you're like, screw it. I'm just going to take the worst team and play it at a level higher and see what happens. Like, that's yeah. that's essentially what he'd be – now, I'll say this. If they're ever good this year offensively, then there's no excuse not to give that guy a job. That but I agree with. But he's taking with. a monster risk by going to Washington. There's no question. I think it's going to be
5: a disaster. I really do, because you got Philadelphia. Dallas is going to be good. Very the good Giants, defenses. You got three playoff teams in that division. I think. I think it was just a mistake oh. on that level. But obviously, he can do whatever he wants. And we're just going to talk. About
2: it, it. I'll, I'll tell you what. If he if he turns that offense around, he might just skip head coach. They might make him commissioner.
5: <laughs> yeah, he might. He might you know, do that. It's going to be a watch out. Watch out,
2: Roger. Well, well, I think we're all rooting for him. We're glad he's not in the AFC. And yep. I, hope he, I hope he does, man. I hope he finds a way. Who knows, man? Who knows who ends know. up being their quarterback? There's a lot of mu- musical chairs that are going to happen this offseason. But let's get into some other topics, Coach, while we've got you. Um, so I, I want to talk more about the Chiefs. After five straight AFC Championship game appearances, three Super Bowl appearances, two wins, do you consider – this has been a hot topic – do you consider this Chiefs team a dynasty?
5: 100%. 100%. Now, dynasties are different than uh, you know 20 or 30 years ago, but let's talk yeah. about – football teams that have been considered dynasties. 49ers, Joe Montana won 4. That was considered a dynasty, right? Pittsburgh Steelers, Terry Bradshaw wins 4. That was considered a dynasty. In 2023 when free agency is what it is and you've only got partially guaranteed contracts and all that and it's really hard to keep players longer than their rookie contracts, what they're doing and the fact that Patrick Mahomes doesn't even know what it's like to end the season in December or early January (laughs) that to me screams the D word 100% and he's only 27 the last time I checked Tom Brady played until he was 45 so let's just say he plays till he's 40 we got 13 years to add to an already Hall of Fame uh, resume and he's also proven and the Chiefs proved last year we don't need to pay Tyreek Hill 30 million dollars we can bring in any receiver And Patrick Mahomes can make it work. And I think that's the magic of him. It's the magic of this team, how it's put together, how Andy Reid uh, addresses it. And I think that this formula works. And if any player other than Mahomes thinks he is not – well, Kelsey too. But those two, anybody else, go see Tyreek Hill and ask him. Everybody's replaceable, and they can keep going. I think it's a dynasty already.
3: I'm curious because we talked about this right after the game. I covered the game, and and I was down in Phoenix, and it it was interesting. Like, after the first half, I don't know how you felt. I was sitting there thinking, this is going to be rough. I mean, Mahomes is hurt. They're down 10 points. I did too. But but you never quit on them because they have such an explosive ability. You're like, well, he he could just – if he's all right, he could come out and score every time, which is what they did. Does this Super Bowl mean more to you, less to you, the same to you as the first one that they won? My son was nine
5: and i took him to that super bowl i didn't work it i worked i was in phoenix for the entire week this year too for cbs for my show and to me this one was was better it was it was so much better uh, the 49ers one was you know you're down 10 late you, it was it was you know everybody's excited nervous you you're, you feel like you're going to throw up and then you win it's great but then after you establish yourself as a super bowl champion and then right. you come back and you lose the way they lost last year and then this year to get back and then be down 10 again, just like against the 49ers. And you're, you have that same feeling again, but I said on my show, the difference between this one and that one is the experience. Chiefs had it. Eagles didn't. Yep. And I talked yep. specifically about halftime and I said, not every team is wired to be able to deal with a 40 minute halftime. Chiefs came out ready to go. They got the kickoff and they went right down and scored Cause I think they knew what to do. And, Boy, it wasn't fun to watch in the first half, but you got that feeling. If we can get one stop, we only needed one stop since we got the ball first, and that's what we got, and then it was unstoppable throughout. I, I also didn't understand the whole, oh, it wasn't a whole thing. Guess what? Don't let the Chiefs score 24 points, Eagles fans.
3: How about that
5: instead oh, of worrying about one thing? so. But But certainly at halftime, I think the experience is what led them to the victory of the Super Bowls before.
3: It's also a tough argument to make for an Eagles fan. With James Bradbury, right after the game, it was like, "Yeah, I held them. I was hoping they wouldn't catch me." Then you watch the replay; and you're like, you kind of held them twice, man. Like, twice. Yeah. yeah. It's a weird. I will say that is one of the weirdest arguments I've had. So many people say to me, who have been like, "Look, it was definitely a penalty, but I wish they wouldn't have called it." It's like, well, it's bro, it's a penalty. I mean, it's, yeah. I, it's the same thing with Chiefs fans five years ago. Like, I, you know, they shouldn't have called it on D four. He was in the neutral zone, man. Like, did back up, get out of the neutral zone. But I, exactly I agree with you. I thought in some ways – I was at both games. I thought – you know, look, I was so – I'm 34 now, so I was like 30 when they won their first Super Bowl. I thought I would die without seeing them win a Super Bowl. I was just convinced, like, they, I'm lucky if they ever get to yes. a Super Bowl. Right? <laughs> yes. Like, if you're a Chiefs fan of a certain age, every single person is nodding along with that comment because you're like – the idea of them even reaching a Super Bowl was beyond any kind of expectation. Then they got there and they won. I think we're going to look back on this run – And as much as the Super Bowl is going to mean, of course it will, it's a Super Bowl, I think that AFC Championship game is going to mean as much, if not more, with all the injuries they had, all the talk going into the week, Mahomes at the end scrambling, of course, getting helped out with the first down on on the penalty. I just, it was just such a great run. And it, it felt like this team, it was a team, it took all of them. It took all 53 guys. That first team felt like it's, look, they got Tyron Matthew and Hill and Kelsey and Mahomes and It was a supernova. This team, it was like, man, we need, we need Jalen Watson. Like, we need them all. We need seventh round rookies. And that I think a lot of ways made more special. What was
5: the difference? It's what I talk about all the time. Patrick Mahomes was on his rookie contract then, wasn't it? So you could afford all those other players. Then he gets the five hundred million. Now you've got to start working. You got to say, all right, we're going to go to the draft. All those types of things. And that to me is a big, big deal when you're talking about how great is a quarterback or how great is a team. I think you can look at how they won the two different things and really, really prop them up for that.
2: I I think it should scare the crap out of the rest of the NFL that the Chiefs won a Super Bowl this year. Looking at that roster with that set of wide receivers – with Mahomes now costing the team more cap space, if he can win it with those guys, and that's not that's not to knock on on Juju or MVS or any of those guys, they still have really good players. But if he could orchestrate, if he could navigate this playoffs with the bum ankle, as Matt pointed out, the Bengals game by the time they got to the fourth quarter, they were decimated. It mm. had MVS and 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 the three of us out there playing wide receiver for him, and they still managed to pull it out. That should scare the hell out of the rest of the league. Because what it also has proven, not just that they have Patrick Mahomes, not just that they have Andy Reid, but that they potentially have an all-time great in Brett Veach, who is drafting and constructing a team that is going to be able to sustain these this kind of level for maybe the next decade. Whereas other teams have flamed out because they couldn't draft well. And no matter how good the quarterback was, it didn't matter.
5: I think any fans that are, that are watching right now that may be on the outside and don't quite understand how it all works or why certain teams are always good and other teams are not bad, we don't focus enough on the general manager. We don't focus yeah. enough on the talent scouts. We don't focus enough on the head coaches that get that out of their players maybe more than what they had. The names that you talked about, why didn't the Steelers keep them? Why didn't the Packers keep them? something had to have happened to ship them out of town and they land here. And all of a sudden they contribute, maybe not a lot, but we didn't need them to contribute a lot this year. You give me four catches, 47 yards. I'm good with that. Juju. You give me three catches, a touchdown and 55 yards. I'm good with that Marquez. I'm good with that. So I think that's, you're, you're also going to start seeing players that are saying, you know, what, I want to go play there. You know, if I'm, if I'm eight years in and I've made my money, I've had my one big contract. Now I want to win a title. That's where I'm going. And I think they've established that as well, pretty pretty well. Uh, I would I would add
3: it. I mean, also, I think the offensive formula for the Chiefs moving forward for the next decades out look, you have Mahomes and you build a great offensive line around him. You Boom. just give that guy three seconds. And I don't That's care it. what you do. Now, I think Kelsey obviously isn't going to last forever. But if you have like one big time pass catcher and that offensive line, good night. He's finding somebody. That was my whole argument going into the Super Bowl. I'm like, look, I get it. The Eagles have a great pass rush, but the Chiefs are pretty damn good up front. And if he's got three seconds, it's a wrap. I don't care who he's throwing the ball to, where it's going. And the second half of that game really was, look, he had guys just wide open. I mean, they schemed the hell out of Philadelphia in that game. And I think that's where Cincinnati, frankly, fell short in the AFC title game. They couldn't block. Now, part of that was injuries for sure, but they've had bad offensive lines the last couple of years. I think that's where Buffalo's fallen short. The line's been okay. It's not been great. But – they don't have they don't have the schematic genius of Reed but also as you point out coach and you're right like look, Brett Veach is probably like one super bowl win away from being a hall of famer like real I mean really yes. like you're talking yes. the top of the top and he's in his, his mid 40s he's he's brought in multiple starters in day 2 and day 3 year after year after year and if you can do that you're going to win and by the way the last thing that people don't talk about enough give Clark Hunt his flowers for spending money. And people always get this thing conflated with, well, every team has to. It's a salary cap. No, 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 no. Nope. There's a huge difference between salary cap and cash. When Mm -hmm. you sign a player in the NFL, that guaranteed money's got to go into escrow. And Clark Hunt is willing to put a fortune into escrow. He doesn't care. The money gets tied up because he knows he's going to win. He's going to make money on the back end of it. There are a lot of owners. The Bengals, the Chargers are two perfect examples who have not spent guaranteed money. And guess what? When you don't spend guaranteed money, you don't get big time players. Nobody, what's going on with Lamar Jackson right now? Now that's not because of Baltimore's owner, but what are they squabbling over? Guaranteed money. Guaranteed money. That's it. The NFL, that's it, man. This isn't the NBA where you sign for four and a hundred, you're getting a hundred. In the NFL, you sign for four and a hundred, you might get 25, right? Like there's (laughs) a huge difference. And so Clark Hunt is where it all starts because he's been willing, like that Mahomes contract. Most teams like I've seen a lot of people in in the media and I'm almost disappointed in who sit there and say, Well, you know, Mahomes with that contract, you know, why you know, why wouldn't another team sign their guy to something like that where you could not the not the money but the term? Because most guys Mm -hmm. don't want to put that amount of money in escrow in one shot. That's why. That's why. That's the reason. You gotta have the player be willing to do it for sure. And Mahomes is the rare guy who was, but you get other players. You don't think other players would take 10 years of security and a life change amount, but but guys, guys don't want to put a quarter of a billion dollars into escrow in one shot. Hunt is willing to do it. That's why he's on that contract.
5: They also don't want to pay coaches because coaches' salaries don't fall not under that. Yep. Right? So right. what have we heard from Frank Reich this week as he was introduced to Carolina Panthers? What was the first thing he said? I can compete because yep. David Tepper allowed me to pay my coaches and compete with other teams. And again, it's something that nobody ever talks about. It's not a sexy topic, but it's a real topic and yeah. coaching matters just look at the teams that have made it to the end this year yeah look at the teams that made it to the end they have great coaching from top to bottom and they tell me that it doesn't matter in the nfl when you use the word genius offensive genius that's exactly what andy reed did and yep. most people do not have the ability to watch a football game and understand oh oh if i do this then two plays from now i'm gonna score That's next-level kind of genius, and we saw that in the Super Bowl with those two touchdowns in the second half. They're like, how did those guys get wide open? And I know Eric bien had a lot to do with that, but being able to figure it out, that's a lot of what the NFL
3: is all about. Hey, look, to to your point about the coaching, I mean, go look at the Chargers. When is the last time they hired an expensive head coach? Schottenheimer, 20 years ago. 20 years ago. When is the last time the Bengals hired an expensive head coach? And Zach Taylor's proven to be a good coach. But when is the last time they went out and hired an established head coach? I can tell you the answer. The answer is never. 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 never Literally never. in the history of the franchise. The Cardinals, I I, I couldn't have – I was laughing so hard I couldn't breathe when, somebody, when it was like, well, you know, they might go after Sean Payton. I'm like, the Cardinals are going <laughs> to go after Sean Payton. Like, go look at who the Cardinals have hired for 50 years, okay? The Bidwell family is not exactly throwing $100 bills out the window, all right? like right? they They're not going to hire – I they, understand
5: it, though. I mean, the NFL prints money. You're, sure. you're printing money. I, that part I understand. It's, I but
3: these No, but the, it's these. You look at certain organizations; they mm-hmm. don't spend money. They do not do it. And you can look at the cap and go, "Well, they spent to the cap." Yeah, but a lot of that money is money these guys are never going to see because it's not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And so you and then and then you get these teams that roll over fifty million dollars because they didn't spend the money. I give the Chiefs a lot of credit for that. Beach finds the players and and, and signs them with Brant Tillis and the rest of that front office, but. None of it works if Clark Hunt is not willing to give some of these guys massive, massive guarantees. And it always makes me laugh when you see people like, well, you know, Mahomes signed a real team-friendly deal. Yeah, it is in the sense that it's long and and they can move money around and all the rest of it. That's true. But that contract doesn't happen if you don't have an owner who's not willing to take an obscene amount of money and throw it in escrow. And if you remember when he signed that contract, they signed him, Kelsey, and Jones in a span of like two weeks. Yep. Yeah. And he, he didn't care. It didn't bother them. That is a rare thing in the NFL. Not every owner does that.
5: I, I also think that because uh, I deal with it on the PGA tour because we're dealing with this whole live thing right now. And, yeah. and a, lot yeah. of, a lot of the players are losing their sponsorships. And everybody loves to tweet me. Hey, coach, uh, they got $100 million. You do the same thing. Too. I said, listen, divide it by four, lose the $10 million from your Puma deal. And now does it look like $100 million? No, it doesn't. It looks like $15 million yeah. a year. That money is real. And when Patrick Mahomes, who I would argue, I don't know what he makes from State Farm, uh, what he makes from <laughs> all the different ones, enough, right? But that's real money. The last time I checked, those checks are the same as his football money. So when, if you have an agent, because I've talked to agents about this, they try to convince their players, listen, let's try to get more marketing-wise. That way we can be creative with your football contract to help your team. I believe that played a part here with Patrick Mahomes. He knew that he's oh. going to make 20 to $50 million a year off the, the field so he can get creative with his contract, which he did, which helps the team.
2: I Absolutely. I, I think he's had – obviously, his dad played in Major League Baseball. I think he's had good guidance and smarts from from day one. He immediately set up shop in Kansas City, started building deep ties with the community, started buying into local sports franchises. He wants to become a legend – in Kansas city. He wants to spend his whole career there. He wants to, and he knows just like you said, coach, those state farm, how does he get more of those state farm commercials? Well, if he's in the super bowl every other year, right. they're going to keep the, they're going to keep the contract coming. That's the best thing that they can get. Forget about ringing a few extra million dollars out of Clark hunt. Um, he wants to have Travis Kelsey. He wants to be able to pay Chris Jones so that he could keep winning super bowls He's, he's now reached a point, and this really leads into my next question for you, Coach. He's yep. reached the point now where it's not – now he's got that second Super Bowl. He's in rare air. Now we said on this podcast, like I said, now he's chasing Montana. That's, 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 I think, his sort of next step. Where do you think he ranks now? He's got two Super Bowls, two league MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs. He's won a million games. Where does he rank for you all time uh, in the quarterback position? Number two. today.
5: Number two. And it's not close. Wow. One, of my, one of my biggest, I, I, did, I did first take over 40 times when I was at ESPN. And one of my biggest frustrations doing that show is when people would not argue about contemporary players in the realm of history. Why can we not talk about Patrick Mahomes based off of only what he has done in the realm of all-time greats? Why are we not allowed to do that? Because whether it's Aaron Rodgers or well, Brady's his own own guy, but whether it's Drew Brees, I could go to the list. Until they're done, we can't talk about him. Patrick Mahomes right now is revolutionizing the way the quarterback position is played. And I know Tom Brady has seven rings, but I would argue that Patrick Mahomes plays the quarterback position better than Tom Brady did because he can do so much more than Tom Brady could. He can run. If he couldn't run, would they have even won the AFC Championship? Even though he had a bad ankle, maybe right. not. No, probably not. Maybe no. not. So he can do it all. So to me, the only reason I say number two is because Tom Brady, out of respect for his rings. But Patrick Mahomes right now, the fact that as a starter, he's never done anything but make it to the AFC championship game or farther, <laughs> right now he's my number two. And to me, it's not close.
3: So I, I, I will still put Montana there. Out of reference, I put I put him third. But I will say this: I think that Mahomes is on a trajectory that by the time his career is over, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. I I don't I, even know that it's I, close. I now here's I've made this comparison a million times. Brady to me is the Bill Russell of the NFL, an all-time great player who is maybe the greatest winner ever. I like that. I Mahomes like that. is Jordan. Yeah. Where you watch your, like I grew up a Knicks fan. Okay, I grew mm-hmm. up in New York. I lived in sheer terror of Michael Jordan at all times. Like I turned on the game. I remember that double nickel game. I was a kid going, My God, do anything. Put anybody (laughs) on him. Stop leaving John Starks with him one on one. It's deep pain. Right. Like, and there was something about Jordan where you just you watched him and you're like, that guy, I don't care what they do. They're not stopping him. I don't care. They can double him. They can, they can try to trap it. None of it matters. He's gonna beat you, he's gonna rip your heart out. I, I look at that Brady and my uh, Brady and Mahomes thing, much like I look at Russell and Jordan. Well, yeah, Jordan, look, he didn't win the rings, did Russell won? But would you argue that Bill Russell's a greater player than Michael Jordan? No, right? Mm-hmm. I look yeah. at it the same way. I think by the end of it, we're gonna go look Brady, Brady's probably gonna win more Super Bowls than Mahomes because seven is a ridiculous number. Yes. But if Mahomes gets to four or five Super Bowls, I'm sorry. Like I don't care that you want a couple more. Did you watch the two guys? Who would you rather yeah. have? And I, I think the, the answer will be fairly simple if Mahomes plays like this for another dozen years.
5: Well, and you can look at the numbers too. I mean, it doesn't matter the category; he's he's
2: number one in almost no, it's, everything. It's you know what I mean? Like yes.
5: Most wins in the first five, you know, all that kind of stuff. He's he's number one already.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's uh, every time somebody says five straight AFC title games, I just kind of chuckle because it's it's <laughs> it never gets old just absolutely yep. incredible. Um, last question, Coach. Thank you so much for joining us. I know we went kind of long, and we'll let you get out of here, but I wanted to ask you, I have to ask you, for the wrestling fans out there, sure. which current Chiefs player do you think would make the best WWE superstar?
5: Oh, my God. That's the easiest question you ever could have asked. And by God, the way, I could do this all day. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. I So yeah. much. So much. So yeah. thank you for asking me for being on and, and allowing me yeah. the time. Uh it's easy. It's Travis Kelsey. I mean, it's it's not yeah. even it's not even <laughs> close. There's a one thing yeah. you gotta be able to do. I tell I tell kids all the time. I just spoke to a class at Bradley University on Monday. Oh my wife went said, there. Oh, really? Cool. Good. Little sorry, sorry Valley. Go. I said if you want to make it in this business as a talent, as a performer, whatever you want to do, whether it's wrestling, sports, sports entertainment, you have to be able to talk. And if you can't talk and you can't make people believe, part of the reason that I had probably arguably a better career in the WWE than some wrestlers, and I didn't wrestle full-time. I wrestled some, but I could talk. I can make people hate me. Oh, I was good at it too. And being a heel is the most fun. Travis Kelsey would be an unbelievable heel because if you're a Bengals fan, how much did he grade on you after that game? Put some respect yep. on this man's name, right? That's what a great yeah. heel does. He goes to the Super Bowl. He stands on the stage. He goes, put some respect. And there's nothing you can do because he just beat yeah. you. And that's what a great heel does. He beats you. Then he rubs it in. Then he rubs it in again. And then he goes back the next year and he does it again. And that's Travis Kelce. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I have to agree. I, th- I knew where that was going. I have yeah. to say, I had to, we got to give an honorable mention, I think, to Chris Jones who I think would also be kind of incredible. I think he'd be
5: good. I just haven't seen him talk enough. I'll tell you, he could handle it.
2: The honorable mention for me would be Frank Clark,
3: who, Oh, who has thoughts (laughs) and and is not afraid to (laughs) express them at all times, including some times where he's going to get an FCC violation. Um, <laughs> Kelsey's the obvious choice. By the way, Kelsey on SNL on March 4th is going to be ridiculous.
2: Yeah. He hosting? I, yeah. He hosting? He's hosting yes. SNL.
3: Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I hadn't heard yeah, that. He yet. went on uh it, what was it the late night? Was it was it Fallon? He went on Fallon. It's and Fallon. It, he's hosting yeah, SNL. Yeah. Uh, not this coming Saturday, but the next Saturday. I would be willing to bet my mortgage Patrick Mahomes shows up at some point in that show. Oh, yeah. He has yeah. he has But he if, has if the biggest thing with that show, I'm begging of NBC. Make Kelsey be the Cincinnati mayor in one of these skits. It has to happen. Would
5: that be amazing? <laughs> would that be
3: amazing?
5: Call, I mean, call Riverfront. Like, like, call the baseball oh. stadium the football stadium.
2: Like, oh,
3: like, oh, yeah. Please make him the mayor. Mayor Jabroni, yeah. right?
2: Like, yeah.
5: Make
3: him the mayor. Oh, it'd be amazing television. <laughs> oh.
2: Ended that man's career. Mayor,
5: right? Oh. yeah. I mean, when, I, when I, I saw that video, I was like – because I always think like this – when I see a, a bad product and I'll say this had to go through like twenty people to yeah. come to market. How does this happen? Yeah, that's what I thought when I saw that video. Did you guys not think that? That this oh, had to yeah. go through multiple people to get to social media. Yeah. And they all said, Yeah, this is a great idea.
3: The, the burrowhead uh, thing them like, up. Like the burrowhead thing with Mike Hilton, it's like, all right, look, he said it off the cuff, whatever. Like guys do stuff like that all the time. He just had the misfortune of saying it into a camera. Um the mayor, I did think that because I, I, in fact, I might even said it to somebody. Like, how many advisors did he talk to <laughs> right. before he did this? And like at one point, like, how many yes men do you have? Like, did nobody yeah. grab him? Big look, man. I know I work for you, and I'm not trying to rub you the wrong way, bro. That is an awful idea. And if awful we lose guy. this game, that is going to backfire in a in a
2: magnificent
3: way. And he was like, "It's cool. It I'm going to go for it. Okay." It and and, and
2: also, Can you imagine? You know, Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying. Can you imagine being the guy that suggested that? You know, and like, hey, Mister Mayor, you know, <laughs> we're going to do this video, and you're going to you're going to cut this promo on the Chiefs, and then you're sitting there two weeks later, and Hall of Famer, <laughs> future Hall of Famer, Travis Kelsey, on the stage on the AFC Championship game in front of the world, calling you a jabroni. I'm just <laughs> absolutely incredible.
5: He probably looked at him and said, what's a jabroni? I don't even know what that that is. (laughs) And most most mayors that I've met are, you know, they're 5'7", they're a buck 40. Because most politicians (laughs) and musicians are tiny because they couldn't play sports. That's just fact. And so if you can't even back it up, like if you can't back up what you're saying, then you probably shouldn't say it.
2: And there's no way that he
5: was going to back it up against an NFL football player. Come on.
3: Politicians and sports should never mix. It, I, I can't think of one time in my life where that has intersected. And even that went well. That was good. Like that, it It's yeah. always some try hard politician from one of these states who's like, I can win a half of a percentage point in my next election. Oh. And now it's funny is, look, if you're a Bengals fan and that guy's on the ballot, like maybe it doesn't affect the way you vote, whatever, but like there will be a handful of people who are like, screw this guy. This guy cost us the AFC <laughs> yeah. Championship game, no a doubt. A
5: handful, about yeah. half of the
3: city's going to blame him for
5: that. That's how yeah. crazy yeah. NFL fans are. You got to find yeah. a reason other than the reason. I don't. I don't worry uh, about the fact that you hit Patrick Mahomes six yards out of bounds. It was right. the mayor that caused us to it lose is. that game. You know what I mean? That's
2: right. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. I I do also hope if if possible the Rock shows up on the Travis Kelsey SNL because they there's a wrestling skit there with the jabroni thing. That could be great coach. Thank you so much for joining. It was awesome to have you on, uh, as a, as a fan of yours from your WWE days, pretty cool to get to meet you and talk chiefs with you. Uh, can you just let our our listeners know uh, when they can catch you on the early edge?
5: Oh, that'd be great. The early edge. Hey, we do all the the sports betting for CBS. I love being at CBS Sports. We're on daily, 10 a.m. I've got the link in my uh, social media. We've got a really big announcement coming up in the next couple of weeks on a new place we're coming, because at CBS we have tons of platforms. So we're on YouTube, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple, we're getting ready to go on HQ. And Paramount Plus, it's going to be awesome. So we're daily at 10 a.m. Eastern time at 4 p.m. Eastern time. And we also do golf-only episodes, MMA-only episodes. Every primetime NFL game, we have a special episode for that, too. So if you want everything wow. from a sports betting angle, come to the early edge. But we also just talk sports as well. But I love it. It's the most fun I've ever had. And also for the PGA Tour, I'm going to be doing the Players' Championship. So that'll be my first event wow. of the year. So hopefully people will tune in for that as well.
2: Awesome. Well, best of luck with that and thank you so much for joining us. We hope to have you back sometime. Hey, soon.
5: Call, me, call me anytime. I would I, I literally yeah. could do this anytime. I love it and I love yeah. your guys' podcast. So good luck and until next time. Hey, thanks, All right. a
2: thanks coach. thanks coach. Appreciate you coming by. Jonathan Coachman from CBS among other places. That was a really fun interview, Verm. I that was you know, great. like I said I I you know, I, I was watching the coach just he would do these segments back in the day. I don't know how big of a WWE guy you were.
3: I, I'm not, but I, but I know, not, I know who he was like, but I am
2: very would, aware. He would do these segments with the rock when the rock was really like becoming a huge, oh, massive star w, uh, <laughs> and just hilarious stuff. Um, and, and then of course he got to do a little bit of in-ring stuff too, which is pretty cool. And then landed at ESPN. So quite the career and a cheese fan and a great conversation. Um, I, somebody we definitely could have back and just, just, just talk ball with. Um, it was really yeah. Cool. He
3: was uh he was great. He was great. I thought it was really I hope or at least I hope it was really insightful, the, the conversation on, on Eric Enemy, We went deep into that and I thought it was a I just thought it was a, a, an honest conversation. Whereas so yeah. many times with this stuff like and I, I said it to, to you and him earlier, but like it's so hard, you know, you turn on these TV shows and it's really not their fault, just the way TV is structured, but like you have like three minutes to have the conversation. I don't yeah. care who you you can't have a real conversation. In three minutes you just can't it's like on twitter yeah. even if you are talking with somebody who you have res- respect for but maybe you just have a difference of opinion on something whether it's sports or politics or whatever like it it's very hard to have a nuanced conversation in a format like that whereas in podcasting you can really sit down and we could sit there 20 minutes uninterrupted and talk about our right. mean i think you can really get your thoughts out, and maybe you can kind of smooth out any any bumps in the dialogue because you have that ability to do it. Whereas on TV, it's like, look, we're coming back in ten, we're gonna hit it hard for two hundred seconds, and then we're going to another topic, or we're going to break, yeah. you know, we're bringing yeah. another host or a guest. So, um, I thought it was great, and I uh, will tell you, I did not know he was a Chiefs fan going into this. I, I was I not uh, I was not aware. So that's awesome. That's uh, yeah, that's cool. And he was uh, he was a man. He was a fantastic interview.
2: Yeah, and he was very generous. So this time, I think I asked him, okay, can you come on for, for 15 minutes? You know, man's, man's got kids, is busy. Um, and it just it was, we were having so much fun. I just, you know, figured we could keep keep it going. So um, speaking of betting, before we get on to just a little bit more cheese talk, or I know we're running a little long today, um, I just wanted to let you guys know uh, head over if you want to support us, um, head on over to slash bets. Eric slash bets. We've got a lot of great betting partners. If you want to help support our show so we can keep doing shows like this in the off season and we're bringing you three shows a week in the off season, we're going hard, bringing on awesome guests like coach and some more of the other great guests we're going to have in this off season. If you haven't bet with any of these, um, these books that we have on arrowhead slash bets, check them out. If you make a first time deposit and spend 10 bucks, we'll get a fee for that. If you've got a gambling problem in Kansas, Um, you can always call 1-800-GAMBLER and they'll help you out with that. All right, Um, Virgum, I just a couple more things I wanted to hit on. As we look ahead to the offseason for the Chiefs, um, and I was listening to you, you were on the show yesterday with Adam Best, uh, Sterling's gallivanting across the country somewhere. Um, Yes. do, Do you think that Brett Veach should keep this offensive line together. We know we have the the Orlando Brown decision coming up. It's been much discussed between Chiefs fans about he's not good enough. He's not worth what he wants. And and the other the other part of that, so it's really the question is the two ends, right? With Wiley and, and and Brown. Right. But I want to know what you think. Do you think that do you think that Wiley needs to be replaced? I mean, the Chiefs just won the Super Bowl. They didn't give up oh. any sacks. He's an average right tackle. He is an average right tackle. I don't think he needs to be replaced. I think he could be
3: upgraded, but I don't think he has to be. Like I don't think it's a necessary right. thing for them to do. The Orlando Brown conversation is one of these conversations that drives me to to a to a bourbon and ginger by the end of the night. Okay. okay. Like <laughs> you get people who are either like sign him, sign him, sign him, sign him, sign him, doesn't matter, or don't sign him. Don't go after him. Leave him, leave him be. Here's my argument to this. They're going to tag him, okay? They are going to tag him unless they, by some miracle, come to a contract, uh, a long-term contract agreement before the tag deadline of March 7th. Once they tag him, they have three options. Let the year play out with him on the tag, and he becomes a free agent. Sign him long-term before the July 15th deadline, or trade him. And here's my thing with this. I've had a lot of people say to me, oh, let's trade him. Okay. Who the fuck are you replacing him with? Right. Who are you replacing him with? He is protecting Mahomes' blind side. And I don't know if all of you have looked at who free agency has for you this year. It stinks. He is by a mile the best tackle in the NFL that is set to be a free agent. Mike McGlinchey, who's a right tackle, is second. And Mike McGlinchey's never been to a Pro Bowl. Okay? Orlando Brown is easily the best offensive tackle who is set to be a free agent in the NFL this year. So, if you let him walk, okay. if you don't tag him, which they're not going to do, but if you don't tag him, you're losing the best offensive lineman that is hitting free agency. Now, if you tag him and you trade him, again, who are you replacing him with? And I've had people say to me, well, Laramie Tunzel, first of all, Laramie Tunzel is going to cost more than you get for Orlando Brown. And on top of that, The Texans are about to draft who they hope is a franchise quarterback. You think that they're now going to trade their star left tackle and let their quarterback get beat to a pulp? That sounds like a really bad idea to me. Yeah. So then that gives you, okay, the draft. Adam Best and I went through this yesterday, so I won't bore everybody with it. Go look at all the guys who were drafted around 31 in the last five years. It is one guy after the next who's not anywhere near as good as Orlando Brown. It takes you get to 2018. I forget who the guy was. At 2018, I was like, all right, that guy is better than Brown. And I think he was actually drafted. It, it might have been Ryan Ramachek, although he's a, he's a right tackle. I think it was somebody else. I'm just going to look it up real quick. It was uh, – let's see here. Was it – no, it was I'm sorry, It's 2017. 2017 draft it must have been. Um, Yeah, Ryan Ramachek, who's a right tackle, who was drafted 32nd. Okay? And Cam Robinson, who's a good left tackle, though he's not as good as Orlando Brown, drafted 34th. You don't find – Star left tackles very often that far back. Now, Brown was a third round pick. Bakhtiari out of Green Bay was a mid round pick. I mean, I'm not saying it can't happen, but you want to roll those dice? You want to let that guy walk and hope that your third round left tackle can protect Mahomes' blind side? Because I don't. To me, he is worth signing. They're not going to be able to keep everybody. They're not. Like at some point, maybe they lose Joe Tooney in a couple of years. Maybe they lose a Trey Smith. Maybe they lose Willie Gay. With all due respect to all those guys, none of them play anywhere near as important of a position as Orlando Brown does. Not mm-hmm. even close. So I would pay him, especially because, and I'll shut up after this, look at the Chiefs premium positions. Okay, They're paying Mahomes a quarterback, paying him a ton. They're not paying a receiver. They're not paying a corner. They're paying Clark as an edge rusher, but that's about to become a fairly cheap contract. Either they cut him or they or they bring the money down significantly. And Carl is the other one. You're not paying big money in any of these premium spots outside of quarterback. So if you're the Chiefs, you can afford to pay Orlando Brown. You can afford to pay Chris Jones. Can't afford to pay everyone, but you can afford to pay a couple of these guys. And to me, I wouldn't go crazy and give them, you know, 26 million a year. But would I give them 22, 22 and a half? Yeah, I would. I would give them 22, 22 and a half, 65 mil guaranteed over five years. That's fair. And I think the Chiefs ought to give it to him. That's honestly where I, I come down on this one.
2: Yeah, it's a premium position. It's very important to the team. You're winning Super Bowls. Um, sometimes you do have to spend a little bit more. Why not on protecting Patrick Mahomes when you when basically when he's at an offensive line, you pretty much win the Super Bowl. Um, by the way, I just got to let you know this one. This is great. NFL veteran quarterback Davis Webb. I saw this. Who spent last season backing up Daniel Jones has Been hired as the Broncos quarterback coach <laughs> for sources. The 28 year old Webb will now be because co- this is from Adam Schefter will now be coaching the 34 year old Russell Wilson in his first NFL coaching job. Are you looking for a big turnaround there? The Davis Webb experience?
3: I have a lot of questions. Uh, <laughs> why number one? I think Shelby was the one who pointed out in the chat, so kudos to Shelby. I, oh, uh, Shelby. yeah, she she mentioned that while we're doing I think, the interview with coach, but I, I did see that. I, I have so many questions, man. Also, uh, I think it's even more interesting in some ways. Like, did you see the hired as a defensive coordinator?
2: Oh, they brought back Vance Joseph, right?
3: Yeah. Do you know who Vance Joseph was coordinator
2: of this year? Do you remember? Uh no. The Cardinals. Oh, that and, went that went well. Chiefs Chiefs did all right against that defense. Yeah,
3: I've already seen like a lot of Broncos fans be like, well, you know, he's got better talent here. Okay, first of all, okay, sure. Second of all, what does is, what is his defense do relentlessly? It blitzes, and it plays a one-safety high luck. Have fun with that. Have yeah. fun against Kansas City doing that. Okay, So, Vance Joseph, who I honestly do think is a good defensive coordinator. I think it's a terrible matchup when they play the Chiefs, at least well, a terrible matchup for now Denver. So, Joseph was the head coach in Denver, you might remember, um, for two years, 2017 and 2018. And, of course, uh, in 2017 – you were talking about Alex Smith being the quarterback in 2018. Mahomes. Well, here are the here are the uh, point totals that the Chiefs put up against Vance Joseph. Who, by the way, had a very talented defense then. Okay, uh, Chiefs scored 29 in a win at Arrowhead, and they scored 27 in a win at Mile High. Both of those coming with Alex Smith. Or, excuse me. I'm sorry. That's that's a lie. The first one was Alex Smith. The second one, that was Mahomes' first start ever. So with backups, they scored 27 points. Then. Mahomes' first full year, 2018, as a starter, they went out and they scored 27 and 30 points. So, not great. Not not great if you're Denver, who, by the way, I would argue in the front seven, not that much more talented than Arizona. Like Randy (laughs) Gregory and Josie Jewell. good luck. They're just going to blitz like crazy and play one safety, and I look forward to seeing how that plays out against Mahomes.
2: I'm kind of getting sick too of like this constant talk about the Broncos roster. Oh, they got this great roster. Maybe people have been saying that for four years. They don't win shit. At a certain point, maybe these guys aren't that good.
3: Also, Adam and I talked about this yesterday. Like, other than Patrick Sertan, who is a great young corner, can you name one other guy in that team that you'd call a blue chip player? No. I mean, Simmons is a good player. He's a Pro Bowl player. Other than those two guys, that is it. That is it. And on top of that, if I have to listen to one more person, well, you know, now they got Peyton, you know, they've got Cortland Sutton, and they got Jerry Judy, and they've got Tim Patrick. Okay, let's talk about those three guys. Everybody just goes crazy about, like, they're so, somehow this this dominating receiving group. Jerry Judy, I would argue at this point, is the best of the three. He's never had a 1,000 yards. Last year he had 972. It's as closest he's ever come.
2: Sutton right. Chiefs tried to give him about five hundred when they played. The
3: Chiefs did all they could. Sutton, yeah. to his credit, had eleven hundred yards in twenty nineteen. Then he got hurt. He tore his ACL. It hasn't been the same guy since. And Tim Patrick has never even approached a thousand yards. Not one of those guys is a top fifteen receiver in the conference, let alone in the in the in the entire league. Okay, in the conference, they're not a top fifteen guy. And I look to all these people like well, you know, Denver. Now they've got some Now what exactly? They can't block anybody. The defense has two guys in secondary good and nobody else. The, the offense does not have one pro bowler on it. They're, they're a bunch of guys. Like even if even if Peyton gets Wilson back to being like a top 12 to 15-ish quarterback, awesome. They're going to be eight and nine, seven and ten. It's, it's just it's fine. Like it's, it's whatever. I I can't envision a world where Denver's great unless they nail the draft and they don't even have a first round pick.
2: Angry Junkin German says Denver has less talent than a 1987 episode of star search. That Love star search. Shout out to Ed McMahon. Rest in peace. All right. Before you get out of here, last question I had for you on this one was, you know, when the chiefs won the super bowl in 2019, and they did their run it back tour, which I hope they don't adopt that slogan again uh, this year. But like when they did that, they pretty much did run it back. I mean, they pretty much brought out the same roster they had the year before, made it back to the Super Bowl, ran out of steam, offensive line injuries, so on and so forth. This year, and and in past years, Brett Veach has shown, hey, if there's shit that needs fixed, he can make wholesale changes. He's not afraid to be aggressive. They have a good team. They just won the Super Bowl. There's guys maybe you could move on from Justin Reed or, or, or MVS to save money move things around. How do you think he'll approach this offseason? Do you think that it will largely be the same team next year or will he make some somewhat bold moves and, and maybe he learned a little bit from like hey you got to keep you know you can't guarantee that it's just you're just going to be able to run it back with the same group of guys.
3: I'm going to ask him on Tuesday or Wednesday when we're at the, uh, the combine. So it, we, we get uh, 15 minutes with all the GMs but my thought would be like it's probably going to be a pretty similar team because they don't like what is the gaping hole on this roster? What is it? I mean, maybe you want to say you add a receiver. What else? Like if they bring back Frank Clark at a lower number, what is what is the gaping hole on this team? I don't know. They've got the corners, you know. You'd maybe like to add a safety depending on what happens with Thornhill. Like there's not a whole lot of free agents either. Like it's not like there's so many guys who are like, oh my god, they got to they got to bring that guy back. I mean, Brown's going to get tagged, so he'll be back one way or the other. Well, like after that, what do you like? What is there really? Like Juju, okay, either you bring him back, you're going to replace him, which I don't think is that crazy. Thornhill, same thing. If you tag Brown, I think Wiley's the only other guy you'd be like, all right, they got to you know they got to figure that out. Probably bring him back. That's kind of it. Like I don't. I don't see them making sweeping changes to this thing. I think they're I think they're pretty good, man. I don't think you look at them and go, "Oh my god!" Like they've got to fix X, Y, and Z. And a lot of that, to be fair, is because they've drafted so well that they're stocked, man. And in a lot of cases, they're stocked with depth. It's not just like oh, they have you know good starters, but after that, ooh, not good. Like they have they have depth. I mean, they're four corners deep. They're, they're four tight ends deep. They they have a good backup guard in Allegretti, right? Like, they have a good rotation on the D-line. We'll see if they bring back Dunlap or they go out and get, you know, another rotational edge. But they have depth at linebacker. I mean, look, if Chennault and Harris are your backup linebackers, you're, you're fine. That's pretty good, okay. right? For yeah. backups, it's good. So, you know, and if they bring in another safety, then you've got that guy plus Cook and, and, and Reed, whether like that guy's Thornhill or somebody else. I think you kind of just fill in a few little pieces, man. Maybe even guys you just had. and You just move forward. I don't think there's any real reason to like remake any of these groups with the potential exception of receiver if they want to be aggressive there.
2: Yeah, I think receiver could look different. I would bring back – I wouldn't be surprised if they bring back Juju if they can get him at a fair no, price just it. simply because – I mean, the way when, when, when Veach was on the show and he talked about Juju and his importance, and I think we saw yeah. it. Um, he has been a little bit banged up, but he did become a nice at times uh, security blanket for Mahomes. Dropped the ball, off. he moved the chains, did some of the dirty work. I like that, so if they can bring him back. Great. Um, I think they're probably really excited about getting a whole off season to work with Kadarius Tony, the training staff, because that guy could be like we could be sitting sure. here next year if he stays healthy and and it and it really takes the the leap. With this team, we could be sitting here laughing our asses off at the Giants, the the heist that that Brett Veach uh, ran on them, and then of course Edge. Um, I think I love Frank Clark coming back on a really team friendly deal. Look, he's he's kind of chasing legacy at this point. Look, he might want he he could somebody could offer him a boatload of money, and he could ba- he could say you know peace out, I'm going to go. But like, I'd love to see him come back team-friendly deal and move into that Carlos Dunlap role and sort of be like, I'm going to try to get these extra sacks in the playoffs, become the all-time leading sack, you know, leader in playoffs. And and then you, you, get, you go out and get another big fish where Frank doesn't have to be on the field so much. He's had some health issues as well. He can rotate in and just get after the quarterback. Um, that would be the big move I'd see them making. Do they try to get somebody like a stud on the edge somehow, either through the draft or a trade or free agency?
3: Yeah, I mean that's going to be the big thing. Look, right, like what do they do? And, and and we're we're living now in what I like to refer as hell, which is NFL mock draft season, um, yeah. where it's just a deluge of every possible human being alive. It's like I got a mock for you. Read my mock. Read the... And then like we get the draft, and some team makes a trade, and it throws the whole thing out of whack. I'm like, oh, it's the end of all those mocks for four months. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: now people just, have their fun, Vertoram.
3: No, no, I, I refuse to with the mocks. <laughs> I refuse to. Um, man, I just think it's going to be really fascinating to see how it plays out. But I think I think there's, there's going to be a handful of positions where, dependent upon how the board falls, that's the way Chiefs will go. I mean, I think, you know, when you drafted like five, it's a hell of a lot easier to just kind of pinpoint one one player. Okay, yeah, we we think we're going to get that guy, right? When you're at 31, and by the way, they are 31 for the record, because the Dolphins at the forfeit the first round pick for tampering. So when you're at 31, like you could, you could go a lot of different directions. I mean, you know, does the run on receivers happen before you, or do you have your pick of the litter? Same thing at safety, same thing at tackle. Maybe even if the Chiefs bring back Wiley and Brown, they want to draft the tackle early, right? Like, there's a lot of ways to look at this thing, and so I really think like. Tackle, receiver, edge, potentially safety, and of course free agency will dictate some of this. That's going to be where you look at it and go, okay, well, who's the you know, who's the best player available at those positions, and then go from there.
2: It's gonna be a very exciting offseason. I'm I'm excited to be able to sit back and knowing, you know, we're Super Bowl champions and Brett Veach can he's got some cap room to play with, he's got a good solid roster. Yep. He could sit back and really make some good decisions and stock the cupboard for years to come to keep the Chiefs cheap, young, fast, talented. It's really exciting. I think they're they're in the best position of any team in the league by far. Um, Verderim, when you go to the Indianapolis next week, are you going to be able to be on a Thursday show? Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll make it happen one way or the other. Okay, we'll figure something out. Let me know. I, I, I got to get more... I'm doing stacking the box,
3: so we'll
2: make there, it we, happen. Go. there we go. It's
3: on a Wednesday, by the way. Stacking the box Wednesday, so um, we did we did the moving around. a little, But yeah, yeah, we'll because uh, we'll talk to Vici either Tuesday or Wednesday. So we'll we'll have stuff to talk okay. about come uh, come Thursday.
2: All right. We will figure it out then. Thank you, everybody. Thank you to producer Richard who helped us get set up with coach and i obviously ran the show. Thank you to all the li- the listeners, the viewers, make sure you leave us one of those reviews on Apple Podcasts, five stars. We'll read it on the show. We're heading into the off season. It's a great time to leave questions and reviews over on Apple Podcasts with that five-star review. Cause we need the extra content. Food talk's going to start back up here uh pretty soon so uh it's 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 candy and and junk food season at the arrowhead attic podcast so get ready uh, thank you to all of our members for your constant support thank you to casey Beerco. thank you to you matt Verderam, my co-host uh appreciate you and uh we will see you guys next week but until then as always go chiefs